Hello and welcome to the Combat Stress 100 podcast. My name is Tom Fox. To commemorate 100 years of Combat Stress, in 2019 the charity worked with the UK reminiscence charity Age Exchange to travel the length and breadth of the UK recording interviews with veterans who've been treated by Combat Stress. They called the project Combat Stress 100. Funded by the National Lottery Heritage Fund, the charity's brought together veterans to tell their powerful stories, often for the first time in public. If you have any issues with the quality of sound, please be aware that veterans' interviews are captured in studio conditions, but our clinical team recorded their pieces at home due to COVID. In this final episode, we'll find out about the impact veterans' PTSD has on their families and hear first-hand accounts from veterans and family members. We'll also hear about the support available to families from combat stress. Dr Dominic Murphy, Head of Research at Combat Stress, tells us more. The research we've been doing at Combat Stress has really highlighted some of the uh, some of the needs of families that are living alongside veterans with PTSD, and this is very important because whilst you know an individual veteran may have PTSD and be struggling with some of those mental health symptoms, that obviously has a ripple effect and impacts on those people around them. Now, both our research at Combat Stress and that by and that of other kind of colleagues working in the sector have really highlighted some of these needs shown in particular that the partners, the romantic partners of veterans are, are themselves at risk of a whole array of difficulties, mental health difficulties. But we've also, there is some evidence to suggest that the children of veterans who have PTSD, whilst they're not at risk of mental health difficulties themselves, there may be some issues around that could get in the way of their relationship with their, with their uh, the veteran parent and have some impact on their own kind of behaviours. Particularly in boys, there's been a, some evidence that the, the, the sons of veterans with PTSD are slightly more at risk of having behavioural difficulties when they're during their school years. Why this is, is it's difficult to know, but one reason clinically that comes across very frequently when I work with veterans is they talk about wanting to isolate themselves from their loved ones and their, and their friends. They often talk to me about this, about really what motivates them to isolate themselves is to try to protect their, their, their family from talking about and hearing about some of the difficult events they've had. But actually this isolation in turn can actually cause difficulties in relationships and can lead to very difficult situations with relationship breakdowns and then in turn can lead to veterans' symptoms actually becoming a little bit worse. As I've been told, I had a a mental block. Uh, I basically walked out on my family. I went to watch my son do his sports day. Come back home with my partner at the time. Sat down and um, just staring at the telly. Uh, my partner turned around to me and says, hey, I'm going to go pick Bobby up. And I just couldn't focus, couldn't think straight. I just packed my car and I went. And I just did myself away for nearly a year. I didn't talk to anybody, didn't go out. When I went to see my son... It was like giving my son a love, were like giving a, a rock 
or a, a piece of iron I love. I was just cold. I had no feeling of love, emotion, care. I wasn't bothered. Um, I just felt worthless. I didn't want to be around anybody. I didn't want to be near anybody. I felt like I wasn't worth anything. In my eyes, I tried... I tried hanging myself because I didn't want to be in home at Didn't wanna. I didn't want to put the pressure on my family, on my sons. I don't know. If my son, my son, nearly saw me on myself. I tried overdosing myself, and I just thought it would. There was no point in me being here. And I wanted to change. I wanted to go away. And I just saw it more feasible, me not being here. It was just easier. And then, five months ago, I come down to Earth with a walk. I lost three of my friends. Jordan BTSD. And I did grieve him. And now I can look back. I have a caseworker that I work with regular. And she's helped me. And if it weren't for combat stress, being able to talk out loud, I don't think I'd have sort of missing out. Now I'm back in touch with my son. I'm back in touch with my ex-partner. We're talking. I look at life now where I can see there's a light to end of the tunnel. I have four kids. I have an ex-partner that I get on with her. I can talk to her and we get on. A year ago, I didn't want to be here. And now I can seriously say, if I'd have done what I wanted to do back then, I'd have put my family in more harm than what I'm doing now. I can see there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You've just got to be strong and fight through it. And there is people to talk to and going through the same thing. Yeah, there is. I'm getting the ulterior as well, so... Talking to you, mate. Well done, mate. <laughs> At Combat Stress, over the last five years, we've been engaged in a piece of 
a series of research looking at the impact uh, of veterans' PTSD on their partners. Now, the first stage of this was to really explore what are the mental health needs of partners, but then also what are kind of the challenges of living alongside a veteran's PTSD. And what we found was actually the partners of veterans who have PTSD are themselves at risk of what we think of as secondary PTSD or secondary traumatic stress. They had higher rates of common mental health difficulties, particularly depression, and were drinking at rates that were higher than we might expect when compared to the, to the general public. So there seems to be strong evidence that actually the partners themselves were, were struggling. Now, the other element of the research we did was to look at the experiences and challenges faced by partners. And what we found was in partners, and in particularly with partners who themselves had mental health difficulties, they were reporting a whole array of what we think of help-seeking barriers to, to, um, to accessing support for themselves. So these kind of split broadly between in two areas. One was because they felt, or they reported feeling that they needed to prioritise the veterans' mental health over their own, and so they felt that they didn't have the time to seek support for themselves. And the other set of barriers were really about what we think of as stigma, being concerned that others would judge them for seeking support or feeling that others might not understand them. And so it was a very it was a difficult piece of work to do because what we found was actually, yes, there was a high level of high burden of need within partners. And in particular, the partners that had mental health difficulties themselves were also reporting far more kind of barriers to seeking help and supporting themselves. As a 10-year-old little girl, I was desperate to have my dad at the playground, for him to be a proud dad on sports day, or to attend the county rounders matches that I played in. Instead, I often found him at home, having had a drink in the pub to help him sleep, and I'd lie awake at night listening to the violent nightmares that he had night after night. I couldn't understand why dad was so dysfunctional, regimented, and disengaged from everything and everyone. In 2008, I started to work for the prison service, which gave me the opportunity to complete some trauma-informed training, which made me aware of how PTSD can be debilitating to the strongest of people. I already knew how it can rip a family apart through a lack of understanding and treatment, as this is what my family had been through already. Since my childhood... I've picked this brave man up off the floor more times than I care to recall when a flashback has paralysed him. And on so many occasions, I've had to take him to the hospital as his flashbacks have been so severe that they've caused him to injure himself. I've consoled my mum for so many hours as she's been at her wit's end with the way that my dad was behaving. She struggled to understand what the past 30 years of their marriage was and feels that she had not been able to understand his condition better. And therefore she felt that she had failed him as his wife. In 2012, I went to a family awareness session at Orderly Court to find out more about PTSD and what help combat stress could offer. I was surrounded and comforted by people and families who had experienced what I had, who had seen how much damage PTSD can cause to families. I learned how the specialist staff at Combat Stress can change the mindset of veterans and help them to address their traumas. 
I don't think any of us can truly understand what it's like to be a soldier. PTSD can cause so much damage when it's unrecognised that it is crippling not only to the person who's suffering from it, but their families too. I'm now proud to say that I am the daughter of a man who fought for his queen and country. And if it wasn't for people like my dad and so many others, our lives would be very different to how they are today. And for that, I am truly thankful for. However, what I'm most proud of and what I am most thankful for is that I am the daughter of Mark, a family man that I can turn to at any day or night, call him my friend, my dad and my hero. We still have a lot of work to do, but I'm incredibly proud of how much he's changed and how much he and how far he has come to where we are today. To see him today, a man who's had to rebuild his life, to learn how to be a husband, a father and a human being again, is courage that none of us can understand. And that's only been with the help of combat stress and the understanding of his family and friends that help him in our day-to-day lives with someone who suffers with PTSD. So you were talking, uh, Leslie, about things beginning to kind of come to a head in 2003. How many years have passed to the point that you're talking about now? So we are in 2016. Right. Yeah, so 2016, he went to work in Germany. Um, As I say, it was a breathing spot for us. We were able to to rebuild our lives, still have them, but apart. Um, He, by this time, was finding it very difficult. He didn't feel as though he belonged anywhere, didn't feel as though he was worth anything. He'd seen the cracks. He was starting to realise the damage that had been caused to our family. By this point, uh, Daniel had started sixth form, brand new sixth form, brand new set of friends. So you probably felt it the move the worst because of the time we were in your life. Um, felt as though his dad didn't love him. And unfortunately, Daniel then tried to commit suicide three times. I don't know whether to ask you the question, but are you, are, you, are you okay to talk about that time in terms of... No. Sorry. So so where are we now then? You know, you know, three years have moved on since that moment, haven't they? So I think Daniel's now stable, which is good. Um, he's got a really good apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. Fantastic company he works for. Brilliant. He's no dad. Um, although, no relationship-wise, it hasn't worked out. But he's got a focus. He's got a good focus in life. Um, so when within six months of Craig being in Germany, realising the damage it caused, he then, out of the blue, said, I want a divorce. Um didn't surprise me because the cracks were already there and it was just so easy at that point for me to go okay because 
I'd see the damage to the kids. I'd seen the damage to the children. And, and I, I, I suppose I blame myself. Should I have moved the children out? When my friends told me all them years ago, would Daniel have got to the point he got to? If I'd walked away those years ago, But I believe my husband's still in there. And that's why I couldn't. So we've got to divorce Nisai. Um, and then I think Craig probably hit real rock bottom. Where he had a breakdown in Germany. Give up his job. And came back. So I put a hold on the divorce. Said it wasn't fair to... To finalise the divorce, why he was at his worst. Um, and that's when he sat down and said, I need to ring combat stress. And that to me was the, probably the most, I don't know, I don't even know how to describe it. It was just the, the biggest relief. Um, the weight had been lifted from my shoulders that he finally admitted he needed help. And he did, he sat that day. And he ran combat stress. So it's been quite a journey um, since the phone call. He's on antidepressants. Um, he's under our family doctor. But our family doctor won't, wouldn't touch him health-wise because he'd already mentioned that combat stress were helping. Um, you know, but, it, but again, it's, we appreciate combat stress as charity. It's not your National Health Service. It's not your everyday help. There's, you know, a huge long list of people waiting. Um, so it's probably been a good year and a bit from him making a phone call to him actually getting onto the treatment. Um, but it's small steps. It's still difficult. He's finding the course very difficult. He was home this weekend. Um and even this weekend, he, he's still at the stage of, he feels as though he has to argue to cause a situation because he's scared to get close. He's frightened of, he's frightened of who he is and what he, and where he is. And he's frightened of the person he begins. He's frightened in case he doesn't find the Craig that I love and that I know and the, the, the kid's dad, he, he, he's frightened of the journey he's on. But, yeah. but, but, but even so, he's getting help. Yeah, yeah. and 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 making those steps. Yeah. How did he find out about combat stress? Again, through his friends. Oh. Um, some of his friends had been through combat stress. So it's and again, mm. after retirement, you know, off the go, and it's through you stick to each other friends through Facebook. And a few of the boys have actually put on there saying, I finally feel as though I've put my bergen down. That's the terminology they're using. Put my bergen down, finally come home. Um, and it's only through that that I've, you know, I've pushed and pushed and I've said, please ring them, please ring them, please ring them. And it was only in that, that stage where he'd had the breakdown, he came back and said, yeah, I need to ring them. I'm going to ask you a very different question. Where were you yesterday? I agree with North Run. Right. Okay. Why? 
running it this year for combat stress. And it's the uh, the first time you've done it. Second, the second year. The second year. And uh, did you train? Or is it just <laughs> not this year? I haven't trained. St- straight in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, can you tell us why it's important for you to run for combat stress? I ran it because really it's just for my dad. So he's he's getting help, and that was the main push. It's because last year was quite personal, but then this year it's even more personal, but for a completely different reason. Well, thank you. We're very grateful to you. So, uh, and you're a dad now. Yeah. As well. Boy, girl. Little girl. Brilliant. That's a life changer then, isn't it? That whole whole experience. Mm-hmm. Looking at your mum and and what she's been through, what you've been through as a family, do you feel that that you're arriving at a point where you're kind of moving in the right direction? We are. It's early days. I think it is very early days. Um as I say, we don't know how Craig will come back out. Um, I just want him to be happy again. I think if he can be happy with him, he can then be happier in other relationships. Whereas at the moment, he's still in that very early of not knowing who he is himself, um, not understanding why he's angry. Um some of the actions he takes, and that's, it's, it's about control, isn't it? And then it's rebuilding. For me, the priority is rebuilding the relationship with the children first. What happens to us will, you know, I'm a true believer in if it's going to happen, it's going to happen regardless. Um, yeah, we'll see. For, for me, it's just getting the message across. I think it's important to say these lads and, and, and girls as well, sorry, you know, I, I know it's female side of things as well, but they're not alone. Um, and I think it's important to speak up because the journey we've been through as a family, the damage it's caused us over the years, some of these guys haven't got strong wives, I suppose. You know, I'm quite lucky I am a strong person. I'm a true believer that marriage is, is for life. Um, but I think... If, they don't talk, if they don't speak up, if they don't admit, even if it's just to the wives, to the girlfriends, it's one step in the right direction. Um, help us understand. Help us be part of that. Because I, I, for me, PTSD, it does, it damages families. And it's not just marriages. It's not just wives and girlfriends. It damages children as well. Um, you know, for what Daniel's seen, what he's had to go through, he he blamed himself. It was nothing to do with Daniel. It was Dad was ill, but he blamed himself. And then it's changing the behaviours. Daniel, you know, Daniel's behaviour over mental health. Nip it in the bud. We've got to nip it in the bud. I don't. I I still don't think civilian side of life they don't understand pdsd from a military side you know pdsd is covers many things car crashes 
um, you know, attacks, assaults, PTSD in military is completely different, completely different. And I think that's that's where combat stress come in. They understand it, they've been there, they've done it. Regardless of what happens, me and Craig, marriage-wise, I believe my children will get their dad back. So, as I've mentioned, the first stage of the research we did was to understand the needs of partners. And as we found, there was significant burden of mental health within, within the partner uh, population. So, funded by the Royal British Legion, we started the next phase of, pro- of research, which was develop something which we ended up calling the Together Programme. Now, the Together Programme is a five-week group-based uh, programme to support the partners of veterans. And it has two main um, focuses. The first, foc- first half of each week is about how to support the partner, how to find strategies to help them manage things like their low mood or anxiety. And then the second focus each week is around how uh, we can upskill the partner to better support the veteran they're living with or they're in a relationship with. So, for example, this might be understanding more about post-traumatic stress disorder, understanding ways to help manage uh, and support a veteran who's distressed if they're having intrusive memories from the past. So, for example, using things like grounding strategies, which help kind of ground people in the present and help break some of those intrusive memories. Now, we trialled this in two ways. Firstly, we did it, the Together programme, we offered it in group based in, in the community in different locations across the UK. We got really good feedback and really importantly, we found that three months after the end of the programme, partners were mental health had improved significantly and continued to, to stay or uh, improve. But then based on the feedback we had from partners, they asked us to to try to make it more accessible because actually it was difficult attending community-based appointments. So we've adapted the Together programme into what we've called the Webinar Together programme. And this is a, and again, it's a five-week programme delivered over the internet through group-based webinars, which has the same focus. One, about supporting partners to find ways to better manage their own mental health difficulties, but also upskilling partners to give them more confidence to support the veterans they're living with. We had really positive outcomes. Uh, you know, over 90% of the partners who had been on either the community-based together programme or the webinar-based together programme reported really liking it and reporting it was beneficial. And more importantly, for both of these programmes, we found at the end of treatment that people had made significant improvements in their mental health symptoms, which were lasting. So it wasn't just at the end of treatment, it was still a follow-up. The improvements were still there. But we followed them up one to three months later. And this is really exciting because this is a new programme that's been developed by Combat Stress to support partners in the UK. And actually, we had lots of interest from our NATO colleagues wanting to learn from us so they could um, take the Together programme and adapt it to, you know, Canadian and Australian uh, couples. We've also more recently started a pilot programme to explore what we call conjoint therapy for PTSD. Now, this is, again, came from partners requesting this, wanted to be more involved in the veterans' trauma treatment with PTSD. And this is where a partner joins the therapy for the the course of therapy. And it's like a co-facilitator in the therapy. 
we're just midway through um, a pilot study and we're really excited about the uh, about this. So far we've had really good engagement, couples have enjoyed doing the therapy and more importantly we've had good we've had good feedback in terms of symptoms improving after the end of treatment. Now all this was sort of research and the next phase is how we embed that within our clinical services in a more routine way and I'm, I'm really excited that we've, we've um, that we've now got what we call veterans family support workers to help embed some of the lessons we've learned about how best to support the partners of veterans in the future and make this a routine offering that we, we can provide via combat stress. Our evidence would show that actually partners do really well from treatment, they do really well from support, but also really importantly, by supporting the partner, we also know that veterans get have better treatment outcomes as well. So it's, it's sort of a win-win for everyone. I know that some of you listening to this will be affected by what you heard. Whether you're a veteran or a friend or relative of a veteran, the Combat Stress 24-hour helpline is there for you. Combat Stress is a charity that is heavily dependent on public donations. If you can help, text GIVE to 70004 to donate £5. Please note, we may contact you about this campaign and the work our charity does. To give £5 but to opt out from further contact from us, text GIVE NO. Text cost your standard network rate plus your £5 donation. Combat Stress will receive 100% of your donation. Please obtain the bill payer's permission before you text. The customer care line is 01372 587 153. Charity number 206002. All of the interviews you've heard over the six episodes, along with many more, will be available to view in the Living Archive, launching on Combat Stress's website on Remembrance Sunday. To find out more about this, please visit combatstress.org.uk. Thank you for listening to the Combat Stress 100 podcast. I hope this series has helped you to gain a better understanding of veterans' mental health and be reassured that with the right support, veterans can tackle the past and take on the future. <laughs>